When a person is on a self-destructive path, a sharp rebuke is an expression of love. Christ's correction to us in Scripture is part of the expression of His great love to keep us from going on self-destructive paths. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, as we continue to look at Peter, I'm pleased that you've said that a sharp rebuke is an expression of love because it often doesn't really feel like it. (laughs) It certainly doesn't. I mean, nobody wants to be rebuked. But we all have experiences, I'm sure, where we look back at something that didn't go well in our lives and we say, oh, I wish someone had told me. I, I wish someone had given me some direction at an earlier stage that would have helped save me from uh, the path that uh, that I chose. So, you know, it's natural for us when we read the Bible just to always look for the encouragements. You know, what what's going to build my faith? What's uh, going to encourage me and make me feel better today? But it's a really good and wise practice when you read the Bible also to look for the rebukes. Where is God saying no? Where is God saying this is not the way? Don't walk in it. The Word of God is given not only to instruct us and to strengthen us, it's given to rebuke us and to correct us in order that we will be trained in righteousness. And that really is an expression of love, even though it might not feel like it at the time. So join us, if you can, in Mark chapter 8. As we continue the message, complaint. Here's Colin. Here are some very practical things about being a disciple of Jesus. As we follow the Savior, we must learn to recognize times when we're especially vulnerable to temptation. We must learn humility in what we ask of our Master. Third, we must learn discernment in regards to what we hear from others. Now, Peter said to Jesus, Far be it from you, Lord, this, that is, suffering and being rejected and killed, shall never happen to you. Now, I I reckon Peter was a force to be reckoned with, don't you think? And here he is, full on, making the case. And I'm sure he did it with great vigor and with great passion. And if ever there was a moment where you might feel that you should trust what this man says, surely this would be it. I mean, Peter is blessed by God. He's been walking with the Son of God. He's been walking with God in the flesh. He's been having things revealed to him by the Father. Surely we should trust what he says here. But you see the point that Peter's well-meaning counsel here is absolutely, completely, and utterly wrong. And this is what he says in the next sentence to when he's just confessed Jesus. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? When he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he's absolutely right. And when he says, Lord, this shall never happen to you, he is absolutely wrong. Here's what we learn from this. The wisest, godliest believer you know can sometimes be wrong. So learn discernment as you listen to the counsel of others. The wisest counselor you know may sometimes be wrong. And that is a very important principle that we learn directly from this story because remembering this will prevent you from putting another person in a position in your life that should only belong to God alone. So here are three things that we immediately learn from 
Peter's presumptuous rebuke towards Jesus. We must learn to recognize times when we are especially vulnerable to temptation. We must learn humility in what we ask of Jesus, and we must learn discernment as we listen to the words of others who may, with a good heart and meaning well, say something that is entirely at variance with the will and the purpose of the Lord Jesus as revealed to us in the Scriptures. Now, that's what we learn from Peter's rebuke to Jesus. And this is a story of two rebukes. So, let's now look at Jesus' rebuke to Peter. And again, I want us to see three further lessons here for disciples. And the first, very obviously, is that we learn to see blessing in rebuke. We're told here that turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter. Now, remember that when Peter rebuked Jesus, what he's trying to do is to stop him from going to the cross. Jesus has just said, the Son of Man must suffer, be rejected, be killed, and rise on the third day. Peter says, no, that's never, never, never going to happen to you. And now immediately Jesus, with great force, rebukes Peter. Thank God for that. Peter's salvation and ours hung on the rebuke of Jesus to Peter. People like to tell stories about Peter at the pearly gates of heaven. Uh, please, if you have a story about Peter at the pearly gates of heaven, don't tell it to me in the foyer after the service. But um, <laughs> there are just so many. But uh, here, let me paint this picture for you. What would it have been like for Peter when he arrived at the pearly gates of heaven if Jesus had not gone to the cross? Well, you see, if Jesus had followed Peter's counsel, what would have happened when he arrived... Peter knocks on heaven's door, and an angel says to him, well, who are you? And he says, well, well I'm Peter. I'm, I'm one of the disciples of Jesus when he was on earth. And the angel says, well, yes, I know that, but uh, why are you here? And Peter says, well, these are the gates of heaven, and I'd like to come in. And the angel says, well, I'm sorry, but you are a sinful man. Don't you remember? You said it yourself. You said to Jesus, depart from me, I am a sinful man. Peter, you've, you've got to understand that there, there's no room here for a sinful man. Heaven's a holy place. There's no room here for sin of any kind. No, Peter, there's another gateway over there. You go knock on that door, you'll find that there's plenty of room for you. Now, do you see that what Peter was suggesting here, Jesus not going to the cross would actually have led to his own utter destruction. And thank God that the sharp rebuke of Jesus is a wonderful expression of his love. 
No one will stop Jesus from fulfilling his mission of dying for sinners in order that we may be forgiven and reconciled to God. And this rebuke of Jesus to Peter and the insistence of Jesus that he must suffer and that he must be rejected and killed and that he must rise on the third day, on this our salvation and ultimate entrance into heaven hangs. Now, there's a very important principle here that we can apply to ourselves in many, many ways. When a person is on a self-destructive path, a sharp rebuke is an expression of love. For parents, think about this in regards to our children. They don't know what will harm them. And if parents have, an, have the idea that somehow a sharp rebuke is inconsistent with love, well, then what will happen is that children will then continue on a self-destructive path unchecked. Thank God that Jesus didn't allow Peter to do that. No, he gives a sharp rebuke. And in this, Peter and we are wonderfully, wonderfully blessed. Peter couldn't see that what he was saying would lead to his own destruction. He needs the rebuke that Jesus gave. And there will be many, many times when we in our lives will need the same. Now, how then does Jesus rebuke us? And the answer is, he does that through the Scripture. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, where we read these words that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And why is the Scripture given to us? Because it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, and that's often translated rebuke, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So, Christ's rebukes to us in Scripture. Christ, no, that is the wrong path. Don't do that. Christ's correction to us in Scripture is part of the expression of His great love to keep us from going on self-destructive paths. I find it really helpful to actually look for the rebukes in Scripture. And I hope you do too. What is there in this psalm that I'm reading that God says I must not do? What is there in this story that I'm reading that is pointing me from a different direction from the way that my mind is going? Lord, I need your correction. I need your rebuke. Otherwise, I'll go on a self-destructive path. And it's for this purpose that the Word of God is given to us and needs to be opened before us every day and every week. Learn to see blessing in rebuke. Learn to thank God for it. Learn to see it as a wonderful expression of His love. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, Complaint, part of the series, Authentic Discipleship. And just in a moment, we're going to learn about taking appropriate responsibility. So I hope you'll be able to stay with us for that. If you can't stay with us or if you ever miss one of our broadcasts, why don't you come online and catch up or go back and listen again? You can find all of the previously broadcast messages on our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners, and we're really grateful for that. And this month, if you would like to begin to support Open the Bible financially in return, we'd like to send you the Advent devotional book by J.C. Rowell. It's called The Coming of the King. You'll hear more about that later in the broadcast. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. 
And then here's another very important principle for us as disciples, to learn to take appropriate responsibility. If you would be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, this is really important. Learn to take appropriate responsibility. And notice these very significant words of Jesus, turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now look at these two phrases together and see the significance of what Jesus says here. He rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. Now, notice first that Jesus clearly recognizes the activity of Satan. You remember that Satan had already tempted Jesus to avoid the cross uh, when Jesus was in the desert. Satan came at him directly to try and divert him from that path that he must have known even then would have led to his ultimate destruction. And Jesus repels the direct temptation of Satan when he came to our Savior in the desert. Now, now Satan is trying the same tempting, but this time he's doing it through the words of a well-meaning friend. And Peter had no idea that he was actually becoming a tempter to Jesus. He would have been appalled at the thought that he was actually doing the devil's work. But Jesus clearly recognizes the activity of Satan behind what Peter was saying. So Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. But I want you to notice, and this is very significant, that Jesus holds Peter responsible for his own words and for his own actions. He rebuked Peter. So you see, Peter is not responsible for the activity of Satan, but Peter is responsible for what he has said. This is very important. When we sin, there is always a story behind what we did that may involve various factors that got us to that place. The person says, well, I was not happy in my marriage. Or this person put me in an impossible position, and that is why I acted as I did. I was provoked, and that's why I spoke in this way. And you know that our culture puts great emphasis on the sins and the faults of other people, the harm that is done by the actions of other people, the influence of what other people have said and done on us, and so forth, their part in causing what we did. And Jesus recognizes this truth. It was not just Peter. Satan was clearly involved. But notice, and this is significant, that having recognized the activity of Satan in this, Jesus rebukes Peter. Jesus holds Peter responsible for what he said and what he did. This is very important for us. God is just, and the judge of all the earth will do right you can be absolutely certain that God will hold others 
accountable for what they did and for the effect that it had on you. But we must also be very clear that God holds us accountable for what we say and for what we do. Remember when the first sin was committed and God confronted both Adam and Eve and then the serpent in the garden. Do you remember what Eve said? The serpent deceived me and I ate. There are two things there. The serpent was responsible for the deceiving. Eve was responsible for the eating. And God dealt with them both according to their responsibility. So learn to take appropriate responsibility. It's so easy especially in our culture, to put all the blame on others who played some role in causing you to sin. God will deal with them for what they did. Your part as a disciple of Jesus is to take responsibility for what you said and for what you did. And then I want you to notice that as Jesus charges Peter with his own responsibility, and clearly Peter takes responsibility for what he has said, that very wonderfully Jesus removes Satan from Peter. Get behind me, Satan. So Peter is in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. What's happening is he's making a separation between the disciple and the deceiver. And I'm sure that um, if Peter was here today, he would say something like this. Well, my, you know, when Jesus spoke at that moment, my first thought was that he was telling me to get behind him. Oh, no, I thought. I'm done for. He never wants to set eyes on me again. And I was about to move when I realized he didn't say, get behind me, Peter. Isn't that wonderful, by the way? He said, get behind me, Satan. Satan was the one who had to move, and there was hope for me in these words. My choice was simple. If I were to cling to Satan, I must get behind Jesus. But if I would cling to Jesus, he would separate me from the one who had deceived me. Jesus puts himself between the enemy and the disciple. And in removing Satan, he wonderfully restores Peter. So here's what we're learning from this remarkable rebuke of Jesus to Peter. What a blessing it is. Learn to see blessing in rebuke. Learn to take appropriate responsibility. And here's the very last thing briefly. Learn the central importance of the atonement. Jesus says, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And when Jesus speaks about the things of God here, he's very clearly referring to uh, what he had just said, that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected and killed and must rise on the third day. That's what Jesus had on his mind. That's what he's spoken about plainly. These are the things of God. And you see that Satan was doing all that he could to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. Oh, he knew that if Jesus went to the cross and atoned for our sins, his 
future was ultimate defeat. What the world most needs from Jesus is that he should suffer and be rejected and be killed and on the third day rise again. And this is what he has done. And if you're asking the question, why is that so important? Why is that really the thing that the world most needs from Jesus? The answer is because at the cross, Jesus made atonement for our sins. At the cross, he bore the condemnation that would have been ours. At the cross, he made peace with God and reconciled us to the Father. This is why Satan did everything he possibly could to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. And even through the words of his disciple, Jesus, dearest friend, Jesus will not be prevented. He goes forward. He sets his face for Jerusalem. He did suffer. And he was rejected. And he was killed. And on the third day, he did rise again. And what that meant for Peter and what one day it will mean for us is simply this, that being forgiven for all of our sins in Jesus Christ and being reconciled to the Father through the shedding of his precious blood, when Peter arrives at the pearly gates of heaven, there's a new and living way that is open for him to walk right in. And Jesus has made that new and living way for everyone who embraces him as the Christ, who embraces him as teacher and savior and master. And may that be true of each and every one of us in this congregation today. And that's our hope and prayer for you as you listen to this broadcast, podcast, or however you receive our messages. You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Complaint, part of the series, Authentic Discipleship, looking at the life of Peter. And if you ever miss one of our broadcasts, don't forget you can always come online, come to our website, openthebible.org.uk, and you can listen there to any of the previously broadcast messages. Or it might be more convenient for you to listen to the messages as a podcast. You can do that by going to your favourite podcast site, search for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Also on our website, you can find a number of great resources to help you with your Bible study and your day-to-day walk with Jesus. You can find Open the Bible Daily. That's a series of short two- to three-minute reflections, new one every day on the website, read by Sue McLeish and based on the teaching of Pastor Colin Smith. You can also find that as a podcast in the same way. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners. That's people just like you. And this month, if you're able to begin supporting us with a new donation in the amount of £5 per month or more, we'd love to send you a free gift. It's an Advent devotional, and it's called The Coming of the King by J.C. Ryle. Colin, what makes this book so special? Oh, two things. The first would be its theme. It's all about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, or rather, I should say the comings of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it is both about his first coming that we celebrate at Christmas, 
and about his second coming that we anticipate with hope and with joy. So a book that just focuses us on the coming of Jesus is going to be a blessing. And the second reason that it is a marvelous book is its author. Bishop J.C. Ryle. He was a bishop in the Church of England in the 19th century. He is one of my favorite authors, all-time favorite authors, and especially in regards to the Gospels. He has some marvelous books on the four Gospels, and this little book, The 25 Readings for Advent, The Coming of the King, is selected from Ryle's writings on the Gospels. They're simple, they're clear, they're beautiful. They shine the light on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're faith-building, they're refreshing, and you will enjoy reading this little book during Advent. Well, we'd like to send you this book as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month in setting up a new monthly donation for £5 per month or more. Full details on our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll join us again soon. What can we do when it's hard to follow Jesus? Find out next time on Open the Bible.